0: Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank and welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. And uh, I'm excited tonight and I'll tell you why I'm excited. I'm excited because you all have been praying for so many people that I've brought up lately and I want to say thank you so much. But especially uh, tonight, you've been praying um, over the last few weeks for Brother Jamie Walden, and we've got him back in tonight. We're going to bring him on here in a few moments. And listen, I want to remind you, please, if you you haven't gone over to Rumble, and I, and I know a lot of you haven't yet, we are beginning the process here coming up in the next few weeks of our Rumble exclusive only uh, programming that's going to be coming up. We've got to get off of this platform right now, because they want to silence us. They want to keep us quiet and they want to limit what we can say um, so that they can control us. And so we want to move over to Rumble because time is short and we want to be able to speak freely for as long as we absolutely can. And so thank you so much. Please go over to the Rumble, go in there and search. For Remnant Call Radio, you got to switch. If you're at the top of the page, instead of videos, switch for uh, uh, to channels, Remnant Call Radio. Uh, I'll try to link it in the bottom of this. I think I linked it the other week, and I'm not so sure. It seemed like all of a sudden, my views crashed down. So, I, I don't know. Maybe that was just me. Maybe... Um, they didn't like it. But either way, we're moving over. Um, please join us on Rumble. It's important. And thank you for everybody that prays again and supports the Remnant Call. And uh, God has been amazing. I want you to continue praying for a specific person, though. His name is Brother Gene, friend of mine, and uh, he's uh, his blood pressure's coming down. He had a mini stroke. And uh, we're just praying for complete healing and restoration. Gene, if you're listening, love your brother and uh, hope to see at home soon God bless you and your family and your love for Jesus and uh, we appreciate you well we are going to with that bring in our uh, good friend here and he's he doesn't need a, a great introduction again but I'm going to introduce him here again you may you if you didn't know who he was well his name is Jamie Walden and he is a part of the Omega uh, radio. Let me get you his exact way, website, omegadynamics.org. And so Jamie has been in the mission field. He's a Marine. Uh, obviously, I, I have a fondness for Marines being a Marine myself. You know, once a Marine, always a Marine. That's the difference. We're a band of brothers. that separates us. Um, but he's done about everything you could imagine his mission field work. He to date is the only man that I've ever known that has been kicked out of the mission field for preaching too much Jesus. But it, he's got some powerful books over there at his website uh, on the Remnant Warrior. And, and you need to check him out, omegadynamics.org. Well, I've got good news. He is back here with us tonight. And so with that, I'm going to ask Jamie. I think I muted you, brother. If you can come back on, I'd love to hear you.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm here brother. Thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure to get to
0: fellowship with you and the body and with those with ears to hear. Amen. Brother, uh we've been praying for you, man. We've been praying. We know you've been you've been you've been down and uh yeah. struggling. What uh how long were you sick for? Yeah, it was a straight 14 days and I'm going, man, there was there was a lot of a lot of
1: saints and a lot of brothers and sisters praying. I'm like well, man, what would it have been like if they weren't? Because <laughs> that was pretty bad. So you know, we'll never, we'll, we'll never truly understand what you know the powers of uh, and and fervent, and effectual prayers of the saints are exacting in the unseen realms. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it was bad. But praise the Lord, I'm, I'm turned the corner and on the comeback
0: and. And uh the enemy doesn't get to silence my voice for any longer. That's for sure. Amen. Well, brother, we got a lot. To, you and I were talking before the program. We got a lot to get into tonight. And I'm gonna ask, brother, if you would, since you're you've you've been gone for a little bit, back on the remnant call, I'm gonna ask that you would pray for this show tonight. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity to even come and seek your face, Lord, and for the way that you've made for us to come so freely and boldly and confidently into your throne room of grace. And I praise you that it is a throne room of grace. God, I just... Thank you that we can seek your face while it may be found, Lord. I know that that you foretold that there's a day coming uh, when there will be a famine in a land, but not a famine of food or a drink, but a famine of hearing of the word of the Lord. And men are going to search for it uh, from from sea to sea and stagger like drunkards searching for it, God, and they're not going to find it. But I praise you, Lord, that your spirit is near and close to the brokenhearted and that uh, you, you esteem those who are humble and contrite and who tremble at your word. And I just pray, Lord, that we would increase in the fear of you, Lord, that you would forgive our sins, Lord, forgive our complacency and the dissipations of this life that we allow to creep into our realities to steal and kill and destroy your glory through us as your vessels, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit in this late generation, amen. In these dark days, God, we know that nothing will suffice apart from your very literal presence, Lord. No, no warring angels, Lord, no, no ministering spirits, but your very physical presence itself has to go before us, Lord. And, and, uh, and, um, net, Allow us and equip us to navigate this fog of war in this hostile territory. Mm. And I know, Lord, that you have foreknown us as elect exiles out of this version, particularly for this generation, Lord. So I pray that we'd be among those like Hebrews 10 says that that do not shrink back, knowing that if we do, you'll be displeased with us, Lord. But we have a good confidence that we need not throw away. And uh, we have a good mission set for this generation. And uh, in a time of great darkness, Lord, you've said that those who are wise in you, Daniel 12, will, will um, uh, turn many back to righteousness and shine Amen. like bright, shining stars in the vast expanse of the universe from everlasting to everlasting. I want some of that action, God. And I, I know that I bring nothing to the table other than my lawless, rebellious, double minded. Spirit, Lord, but through your son Christ Jesus and his work in me, God, I can stand before you spotless and blameless. And I just praise you, Lord. And so bless Amen. our conversation, God, and, and uh give us worthy, not unworthy words to speak, Lord. And and I pray that we would never turn towards the people, but that they would turn their hearts towards you, God. Mm. And we pray these things in the powerful life-giving
0: name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, brother, I want to set this uh, talk up tonight, Um, getting into a story. Folks, you all are probably remember the story. Well, the emperor's new clothes. Uh, If you don't know the story, uh, which most of you probably do, uh, there was it was written by Hans Christian Andersen uh, back in the 1800s. But it was about a king. He loved lavish clothing And they always wanted the best. And so some hustlers, some swindlers came into town. And they were getting the word around that they were the best weavers of anybody there was around. They could make the best clothing ever. And the word got back to the king. He wanted some of this. And they told him they they were going to make this clothing that was so unbelievable that only uh, foolish people couldn't see it. It would be invisible to the foolish. So the king ends up sending in. Uh, gets them to start doing this, and they're weaving. Nobody can see anything. He sends his people in to look at the clothes, but nobody wants to say anything because they don't want to look foolish to the king that they can't see. So they go back and they tell the king, "Oh, that looks good." And the king goes in. He doesn't see anything. He doesn't want to look foolish. Oh yeah, it looks beautiful. And and everybody else is telling him it's beautiful. And then the whole town, he's in parade, and they're telling him it's beautiful. And the whole time, he's absolutely butt naked. He's naked. But because nobody wanted to hurt his feelings, nobody wanted to say anything against the king. They believed in the delusion, even though they knew it was a lie. They went along with it anyways. Folks, that is what happens in one in a totalitarian society. But two, it is also reminiscent of a story in the Bible, Revelation Chapter 3 starting in verse 14 says this and under the angel of the church of Laodicea write these things sayeth the amen the faithful and the true witness the beginning of creation of God I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot I would that thou were cold or hot so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot I will spew thee out of thy mouth because thou sayest now listen closely I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So here God's talking to this people, and many know that or believe that this is a representation, the churches of the different ages, and down at the end times will be in the church of Laodicea. But they thought they had everything together, that everything was fine. And the truth was they were blind, poor, and naked. And even when the members in the churches knew that something was wrong, they dared not, for fear, stand up and say anything because nobody had the guts to say the truth. Now, here's the interesting part. This is the remedy the Lord gives them. I counsel thee to buy of me Gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, and be zealous therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in with him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, here's the interesting part. Jumping to the last verse I read, even though they were in this messed up state, God hadn't given up. He had not given up yet, but he says the remedy to your plant, your problem is gold tried in the fire. Now, Jamie, you have just been talking some about what's been going on here. I had no idea, but as we were talking, the Lord had been sharing some things on your heart about what's going on. And brother, you see the issue because tonight I want to get into the line that's been drawn in the sand. What will it take for us to finally wake up? Brother, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah, no, that's that's a good word, you know, and, and the Lord burned me. When the Holy
1: Spirit equipped me to write the book, Omega Dynamics, equipping equipping a warrior class of Christians for the days ahead is central to the whole first half of the book is this whole concept of faulty self-actualization is is the way I worded it. And the central theme of the entire last church dispensation of the last church age is faulty self-actualization. You say you're wealthy and in need of nothing. I say, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You surround yourself with great teachers telling you whatever your itching ears want to hear. Yet, I'm telling you, you're not able to come to an understanding of the truth, right? You say, you say, you say, you say. And so, the the Lord lays out this grievous offense against the last church age. In fact, it's the same exact offense that he had with Israel through the prophet Malachi before he went silent for over 400 years, the faulty self-actualization, and Malachi they say how how have we wearied you lord right they're they're haughty they're even haughty in, same thing with the church of revelation or laodicea they're haughty in their response we're well they're like it's there's a scoffing tone in there <coughs> we're wealthy and need nothing look at our satellite campuses look at our bookstores look at our ministries look at our affluence they don't care about influence they care about their affluence look at what uh, what do you mean the lord has an offense with me in Malachi, they said, "What? how have we weirded you, Lord? And God says, by saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord. And where is this God of justice? He literally is saying, because you are preaching hyper grace and you have no regard for the fear of me, because you have withheld your tithe and offering, which is your whole life, you bring the whole tithe of your life in the storehouse of God, because of how you have reduced my glory to your emotionally predatory soundbite. I will remove my physical presence from you, my voice from you, my prophets from you, my commands and decrees from you for over 400 years until John the Baptist comes on the scene. This is a big deal and it is central to the last lay to see in church age. It's all centered on this faulty self-actualization where it's like uh, blind, deaf and dumb under, under destruction. And here's what speaking of the, uh, of of the emperor's new clothes is, the, the reality that we're dealing with, and this is where, where the Lord really checked me because I used to get so frustrated with the church. And I know that grieves the Lord because it's his church that he died, that he gave himself up for to make spotless, blameless, without wrinkle, you know, a radiant church. And here I am like just disgusted at it and appalled at it. Like Ezra, he's like, I was appalled when I saw the conduct of the leaders and the officials and how they led the people and this rebelling against God and they intermingled themselves with the nations around them. I sat appalled before the Lord until the evening sacrifice, right? As Ezra says, but, um, this, this spirit of the age is so deep rooted that, We cannot deal with the church as if they are in ignorance. This is the distinction I want to make. They are not in ignorance. They are delusional, just like the people who surrounded the emperor and looked at the guys weaving the loom with nothing on it. They are under delusions. And here's why they're delusional. It says because they love not the truth. It's not that they don't know the truth. See, these are the these are the, the distinct the biblical distinctions we need to make. Second Thessalonians 2, Romans 1, because they love not the truth or because they they did not retain the knowledge of God or give him thanks. It's not that they know the truth. They just don't love it. Then God himself gives them over to delusions. So I I used to get so frustrated because I'm like, if I just knowledge them enough, if I just am emphatic enough, if I just give an emotional appeal about the fear of the Lord enough, if I share enough scriptures, surely they'll be cut to the heart. Surely they'll turn and they'll say, come, let us fear the Lord. Because as they were saying in Jeremiah, God says, nobody says to himself, come, let us fear the Lord. They're not saying that anymore. Um, And And the Lord said, because he said, you need to repent because you're dealing with them as if they're ignorant and it's causing you to be quarrelsome with them. They are not ignorant. They are under delusions and they're my delusions because they loved not the truth. And it's like to deal with somebody, you know, I was a street cop, worked with U.S. Marshals, was a Marine, was a street paramedic and firefighter for a while. I know what it's like to deal with a populace that's delusional versus ignorant. You handle them completely, utterly different when somebody's ignorant of law versus somebody who's under delusions. When you have a woman running at you topless out of her mind on crystal meth and crocodile and all this other freak show street drugs, drugs that are at you, you don't sit there and try to acknowledge her and rationalize with her. That girl's delusional. Like you gotta, you gotta handle that with such a a completely utterly different posture. There's no amount of rational, uh, rationality. There's no amount of empirical data. There's no amount of objectivity. There's no amount of, no amount of emotional appeal that you could possibly give to a person that's under delusions like that. That's going to get them to, to, uh, Uh, repent, which is to uh, change a mind, to get them to change their mind, change their behavior in the direction that they're going. So yeah, this, this is a big deal, man. And where I see it the most is, is, is in and amongst a lot of my family members. I mean, the delusions of this age are so strong. The love of self is so deeply ingrained, the love of pleasure rather than the love of God is so well immersed. The secret doctrines of demons have infiltrated everything and brought the way of truth into disrepute that men literally, even claimants of Christianity who I love dearly, uh will not tolerate sound doctrine. They are actually intolerant of. Biblical truth and biblical Christianity and even truth in love. They're
0: intolerant of it. What do you think? I agree. No, no I agree. And in this folks, this is the, like Jamie was saying, this problem that's going on here. It, they're not ignorant. It says in times past, God, winked in our ignorance but now the truth has been made known it's not that they don't not that people don't know the truth i'm not saying there's not people in foreign uh, nations in the jungle in places still that that don't maybe know the truth and that's what the missionary were i'm talking about here in america people are not ignorant of the truth, they know it, but they've decided to reject it, and therefore they don't love the truth, and that's a big difference. And you can't deal. Jamie it's like when the Lord finally got a hold of me back in nineteen ninety nine. I had been offered love. My family, you know, I, I tried to get a hold of me through being nice and kind and everything, but it didn't work. I was a wild man. I was I was out of control, and it wasn't until the Lord finally got a hold of me one day and said, "Frank, you are going to die, and you will end up in hell." Yeah. And it wasn't until yeah. the Lord had got a hold of me, and then I w- finally realized what was happening. And then He offered me another way. You see, it, it it you you can't deal sometimes by just loving them enough always, which we need to love people. You can't just always try to give them more knowledge. You have to deal with certain situations. You know, the Bible says, "Some say with fear." Um, or some say with compassion through grace; others say with fear, pulling them from the fire, hating even the garment spotted. Yeah,
1: that's. I mean Jude. I mean Jude lays it out very, very dis- succinctly. You know how we're to manage this, and I and I think about this all the time. Like there's, there's belief is easy to say. I believe in Jesus Christ. Belief is easy. Actually, belief satisfies a very particular innate desire. That's often carnal and fleshly at best, but there is a belief that is not saving belief. Just like there's faith. That's not a saving faith, James too. Just like there's discipleship. That's not authentic discipleship. John, uh, uh, where, where's it at now? John six, you know, many of his disciples departed from him that day. It, it was a, it was offensive to them. And so, there is belief in Jesus Christ that's not actually saving belief. And here's what it's centered on. Again, talking about the Laodicean church. This is John 12, 42. It says, nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. This is talking about the religious spirit. This is talking about the claimants of the heirs, the covenantal heirs of God. Nevertheless, many, even of these guys, authorities believed in him. They believed in Jesus, but here we go. Virtue signaling. Let me virtue signal and let me love the world and things of the world. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that it would not, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. If that doesn't define the spirit of the mass majority of the claimants of Christianity right now in our generation i don't know what does they loved the glory of man more than the glory of god they believe in him but not enough see they've counted the cost brother frank they've counted the cost of being all in for christ jesus and you want to know what they found it to be too high that's the bottom line somewhere along the way like samson with his hair getting lopped off Homie made a decision somewhere along the way. He didn't know when it happened. He didn't know when it occurred. He didn't know, just like Israel didn't know when Ichabod was going to be written over their head. They didn't know. But somewhere along the way, they had, and the majority of claimants of Christianity right now in our generation, they have, they have through small decision, one small one here, one small one there, one small compromise there, one complacency act there, one fear of man instead of the fear of the Lord here. Somewhere along the way, they'd counted the cost and they found it to be too high. And, and again, it's not for lack of knowing the truth. Knowing the truth, they neither glorified God nor gave him things. right? Like, because they loved not the truth, God gives them over to delusions. And so, so this is why this whole concept of even what's going on with the uh, virtue signaling, BLM, Antifa, uh, Hillsong Bethel, which is straight up apostate, necromancing, you know, New Age occultic fervor, and, and social justice gospel, which is straight up communist. Marxism, which is study Marx study Lenin. It's all centered on the worship of Lucifer, right? And the total destruction of the patriarchy and Judeo Christian. I mean, they love these things yet all the while they're saying I'm wealthy and in need of nothing. What do you mean? God's agreed with me. Why would God have an offense for me? I'm doing this all in the name of Jesus Christ, which is specifically why in Matthew seven, it says many, 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 many. Will say, Lord, Lord, I did all these things in Your name, and He says, "I don't know you, you worker of lawlessness." He, not only does He say, "I don't know you," which is bad enough. Could you imagine hearing those words from the King of Glory? But He, 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 He qualifies it. He gives a. Qual- not, not only do I not know you which means you're, you're not known by me and, and I'm not known by you. Like, I don't, I I don't know you. I never knew you. And actually you're a worker of iniquity. You're a worker of lawlessness because all those things you did in my name, you are doing for your
0: flesh and for a love of the world and the things of the world. Absolutely. And you're talked about saving faith versus just faith folks. You know, if you don't remember that when Jesus sat there and told them about, you know, um, does, you know, whoever, uh, for this flesh is meat indeed, and, and blood is drink indeed. He was talking about whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. And and people said, This was difficult. And he said, What does this offend you? Right. When yeah. he said you're gonna need to yeah. partake Are you in this sacrifice, it said, Many at that disciples turned back and left him. They followed him no more after that.
1: Said, and you know, you know, brother Frank, that makes yeah. me think of Jeremiah six. And it says, uh, and this is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah, and he says, uh uh, I might butcher this, but he's like, um, to whom can I turn to and give warning? Their ears are closed so they do not hear. My word is offensive to them. And so this gets into that relativism, which is the definition of the spirit of the age and the love of self rather than the love of God, right? This faulty self-actualization is is that even the concept of love, We we start off talking about that. What love is, has been reduced into our image. And so, so this reduction of the word of the Lord being offensive, people are so worried about offending a sinner and their sin that they actually taint, pervert and twist the word of the Lord so that they can virtue signal to the sinner. And they stoop down to their level rather than calling the sinner the, calling the up into the true and better kingdom and government of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, man, woman, I don't want to say brother or sister because they're not your brother and sister if they're in sin. They're actually sons of disobedience versus heirs of a promise. There's distinctions that God makes. They're not, you know, sorry, I digress. But one of the things that bothers me, again, this is Seeker Friendly Church, Movement, as they say, oh, well, we're all just children of God. And I go, that's not true. That's, that's not true. We're all humanity. We all are image bearers of God, but we are not all children of God. It says you're of your father, the devil. You are sons of disobedience. You're a child of wrath versus being an heir of a promise, a co-heir with Christ, sonship, adopted, a ring on your finger, a cloak on your back. We are not all children of God. That's a silly, emotionally predatory thing to say. The bottom line is you are in the wrath of God remains upon you. There's so many verses that speak that, but there's so many awesome verses that testify to the good news that now the wrath of God has been removed from you if you're in Christ Jesus.
0: I don't know where I was going with that. Hey, I digress. I forget praise I God. Talking. Amen. Amen. Folks, listen, what I was, Jamie and what we're talking about earlier, it said from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. What was happening is Jesus, the closer he got to the cross, the closer he got to the times of persecution, the people began to leave because the Lord had to begin to prepare people with some heavy truth. Okay, I'm the bread from heaven. He was trying to explain some deep truth here. And then after he just explains these deep truths about this, they leave him. And He looks over the disciples. He's like, are you going to leave me the last 12 also? He, folks, the closer we get to the end, some the thinner the crowd gets sometimes.
1: That's yeah, not man, that's God's That's a good way spirit. of putting it.
0: That's not God's plan A, but that's what happened in the temple. Okay. There was the outer court and it was full of people. And then you move to the inner court and there was less people. And then you move into where the sacrifice and the laver and then the holy place. And then ultimately only the high priest could go into the most holy. There, it, it, You see, the crowd got thinner and thinner and thinner, the closer they got because the majority of people want to stay in the comfort zone of the outer court, which is called the modern day church of Babylon. Absolutely. That's not God's desire. Folks, the, the thing is, though, is that God is thinning the herd, but it's not his desire that any should be lost. And don't ever forget that, because even the church at Laodicea, he said, I'm still here knocking at the door, even though you're a disaster. Now, Jamie, here's the thing. The Lord says, though, to them, I'm going to, and I want to read a verse after this. I want you to buy from me gold tried in the fire. Now, brother, I want to read this verse um, from 1 Peter. Uh, One starting in, in verse three, blessed be God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So he's saying, listen, God's got you. He can carry you. You believe you trust in him. You follow him. He's got this. But hold on a second here. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. There's the refiner's fire you were talking about. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and the glory of the appearing of Jesus Christ. So God says, I want you to counsel me gold tried in the fire. That's gold that the dross, the, the imperfections have been burned out. But the reward is that even though through that uh, purification, God's got a reward even greater than gold. Brother, this gold tried in the fire is not something to be feared. And, and I don't even know if it's to be desired so much. All right. I mean, I sometimes, brother, I pray some prayers. Lord, I know I need this, but please show some mercy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not asking you to bring your hammer down on me, even though I know I need some chastening sometimes, Lord, but please show mercy. I, I, I guess I should say it like this door, Lord, do whatever it takes just show mercy. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever prayed that before, Um, but but, uh, let me tell you folks, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands uh, of the living God. And uh, it's also a comforting thing, but brother, what does this mean about this gold tried in the fire um, that the Lord seems to be asking today's people to embrace? Yeah, no, the, the, the refiner's fire again, that
1: goes back to Malachi. That's one of the last things the Lord spoke and it's actually, uh, was applicable to Israel in its day, but also it was looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the Lord specifically says, I will be a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. So this whole concept of fire is radically significant through all the scripture. We know that, at, you know, I think it's second Peter, like God judged at first with the deluge of water, right? Covering the earth. But it says, and again, this goes back to the church. It says, but they deliberately forget that the same God who judged earth, but well, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have my Bible up in front of me. They deliberately forget that the same God who judged the earth by the deluge of water is basically coming again to burn all the elements with fire. They deliberately, it's willful. It is a choice. It is a choice to refuse to fear the Lord. It is a choice. And so this concept of fire is central to the entire reality, the second coming of Jesus Christ and how God deals with the earth and how the Lord actually deals with his church. I mean, it's Paul who says, Listen, Christ is the foundation on which every man builds. Some build with sticks, hay, and straw, other with gold, silver, precious stones. But the coming of the Son of Man, each man's building material will be tested with fire to see what is left remaining you know and and uh you know christ says like i counsel you to purchase for me gold, refine in the fire the lord says i am going to purify you with fire but what we what we ought to do rather than being burned up by the fire of god we ought to be sanctified being progressively sanctified through christ jesus the power of the holy spirit the word of the Lord through the, through the edification and the admonishment of the saints to be able to carry the fire of the Lord, that we would choose wisely our building materials with which to build on the foundation of Christ Jesus, that we would like Solomon want to build the most opulent prodigal thing we ever could on the foundation of Christ Jesus with the whole tithe of our life. We would use a whole tithe of our life to build on the foundation of Christ Jesus. The Lord said, it's, it's a one time he says to test him, test me in this boy, see if I won't pour on on you, so much blessing, there won't be room enough in your storehouse to contain it. Like he's challenging you to be prodigal in the way that you bring in your whole, the whole title of your life and build upon this foundation. Cause I'm going to test it with fire. And I'm telling you what, we ought to be like Job in Job 23, that has such a confidence before the Lord, not a confidence in ourselves. I said a confidence before the Lord by the grace of God through the completed work and the sufficiency of Christ in you. We should have such a confidence that like Job, we can say, but the Lord knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I've kept his way without turning aside. I've not departed from the commands of his lips. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Could you imagine, beloved, if you could say that with such confidence? I'm telling you, you can I'm telling you, you can, but it says you are to be sober-minded, alert, not double-minded. You are to be hyper-vigilant for the, and in eager anticipation of the second coming of Jesus Christ. You're to be longingly waiting, looking in anticipation of him. You're to have your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus the author and perfect your faith, not throwing off the blinders, looking around the world. How can I impact them and do something now? And all this seeker friendly mumbo jumbo stuff that's completely devoid of the power of God, it's filled with nothing but the power of the flesh and carnality to try to achieve something in this life. Could you imagine? You can, beloved. You can be so confident when you literally are undone and unrestrained and prodigal towards the good Father who's been prodigal towards you. When you withhold nothing, forsake everything. Going back to, I liked what you said about how the how the the crowd gets thin as the as the nearing of Jesus Christ comes. Think about what He said. He's like, boy, you better count the cost to be an all in. And if what man goes to build a house without first counting the costs? Like, you you too better count the costs And what general takes an army to battle without first counting the cost, whether or not he's able to contend with him who comes with 10,000? You know, I'm paraphrasing. And he's like, listen. Let me tell you the obligation of the gospel of my kingdom, how much you must forsake for my sake. If you're not willing to hate your father or mother or brother and sister, even your very life for my sake, you cannot be my disciple. Listen, if you love the world or the things of the world, I'm telling you, the love of the, the, love of the father is not in you. Because the world, with all of its passions, all its carnality, it's passing away. Listen, do not be unevenly yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship is there between uh, righteousness and lawlessness and light and darkness? And and, and uh, what fellowship can there be between Christ and Belial? You can't drink from the cup of demons and the cup of Christ at the same time. And he goes on and on. Listen, count the cost. If you're not willing to pick up your cross and forsake everything for me, you cannot be my disciples. But listen, the only way, church, that we can adequately count the cost of being all in for the cause of Christ Jesus is if you fully know and understand the reward. When you know and understand the reward, the hope of glory, the hope of glory, the hope of glory. It's the entire theme of the New Testament epistles is the second coming of Jesus Christ and the hope of glory. It is a five to one ratio, 2800 verses speaking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's what it's all centered on. The cross Stop staying at the cross and live out from the empty tomb. The cross led somewhere. It led to Tartarus where he took back the keys of death in the grave. It led to the resurrection. It led to the reoccupied seat at the right hand of the father. Are we getting this? It's about the hope of glory, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we live out from that perspective, literally nothing else in this life will satisfy. You can count the cost And you go, whoo, boy, that's hard. Man, hated by all men, mocked, reviled, scoffed, injustices, falsely accused, betrayed by brothers, given over to persecution and to the death. This is what I can, suffering upon, manifold suffering, diverse suffering, a multitude of suffering. This is what I can expect in Christ Jesus. Huh? Let me think about it. Oh, you know what? Not even worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed. Like, literally, this is the simplicity with which the redeemed of Lord ought to be walking out their Christian calling and election. Ah, oh, light and momentary afflictions, bro. Achieving to me eternal glory that far away is everything else. So, I don't fix my eyes on what is seen. I fix my eyes on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Like, literally, this is what the whole gospel is speaking to, that you would actually be among those who knows the blood of the lamb, what that means, who has... Uh, a testimony the word of your testimony is bold steadfast immovable resolute and absolute and you don't fear your love so your life so much as you're afraid to lose it this is what the ruminant language that everybody likes to use is Actually, centered on it's a knowing of your God. It's a knowing of your identity in Christ alone. It's a knowing of your standing, the propitiation for your sins that you were you were once an enemy of God. Now He calls you friend. That you can boldly and confidently come into the room of God. It's about a knowing of the sufficiency that your life is hidden in Christ. Boy, ain't nobody taking your life from you. Not the powers of dark. Nothing. Nothing. Circle it, and all of creation can separate you from the love of God. That has been past tense, already done deal, shown to you in Jesus Christ. He's already shown you the lengths to which he's willing to go while you were a lawless, rebel, reprobate enemy at enmity with a holy God. He sent His son to die for you. What's he going to withhold from you? Why in the world are you withholding anything from him? Go all in for the cause of Christ and start representing as an ambassador to the kingdom that you say that you belong to. Brother, I'm sorry, man. I just fire hose you, but I
0: got all amped up. Brother, keep going. Hey, I'm, I'm joined here. I, I'm going to church on Friday night, okay? I'm enjoying it, brother. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. God bless sorry, man. I don't No, No, I no, am up. what I mean. I'm going to wrap that into a nutshell. What Jamie's talking about is absolute surrender. It's absolute surrender. And I'm going to, I, 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 I've mentioned it in years past and I'm going to link it back on the program. If you've never read absolute surrender by Andrew Murray, you've never read anything. Outside of the Bible, this is one of the most powerful things you'll ever read. I'll post it uh, on the link. I have it on a PDF uh, in a location. I'll post it underneath here tonight. You got to read it. And and Jamie, you're it is about everything, giving everything, your tithe, your life, your everything to the Lord, folks. But the starting point, and sometimes this is the hard part is when you've gotten way off track, like the Lord's talking about. And what do you do? Where do you stop back? Well, it's really simple. The gold tried in the fire is actually a a pointing back to of 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, humbling the fasting and the praying and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Remember, God's talking to wicked stuff that's going on. He says you need to find gold tried in the fire. It's the same language we're talking about here. When you have gotten off the path, we need to sometimes just stop when everything's falling apart. We need to stop and we need to come back and humble ourselves. Listen, Jesus fasted and prayed in his ministry. And he was God. He was God. If God can do it, then why can't we? Yeah. Yeah. It says that
1: Christ lifted up with loud cries and his prayers and petitions of the Lord. And he was heard because of his reverent obedience. Like. Absolutely. Like, like if, if God himself veiled in flesh is petitioning and crying out and appalled and undone and broken, why in the world aren't we, why in the world aren't we willing to, you know, I think of all the time, like the true and better Mark, you know, people are like Mark of the beast, Mark of the beast, Mark of the beast, right? Like I can talk about that. Uh, ad nauseum through all the emerging technologies and how that can be accomplished. But I'm like, bro, you better be focused on the true and better Mark. You know what the true and better Mark is. It's in Ezekiel nine. It's the Mark that was placed on the foreheads of those who he found weeping for the sins of the city. It's, it's the true and better Mark. Like the Mark that was placed on, on on lot when, when it speaks in second Peter about if God knows how to rescue lot, a righteous man who was tormented, Tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard in the city day and night, surely he knows how to rescue you from from the trials coming upon you. And it's like, aren't we undone, dude? I'm I'm so undone by my family members that are claimants of Christianity, and they have zero regard for the things of the Lord. None outside of their reductionist uh, uh, worldview of what it looks like to be undone for a Lord. I, I, I have a brother-in-law who works full time for a Christian ministry. And you know what it says on their website to erode the patriarchy. he, For Jesus, he wants to overthrow the kingdom of God. He's at open warfare and enmity against the kingdom of God, against the glory of the kingdom of God, which is Christ Jesus himself, against the entire high priesthood and against the high priest of Melchizedek, his entire life goal for Jesus through social justice, perverse understanding of everything, given over to strong illusions, is to literally bring the way of truth into disrepute and to secretly introduce destructive heresies tearing down the patriarchy and no, nobody in my family sees a problem with this.
0: Yeah, that's a insane. hatred of males. That's a hatred of men, too, which is unbiblical. It's insane. in Isaiah chapter three, I think, verse 12 or somewhere around there talks about a day when 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 children will be uh, oppressing their parents and women shall rule over the society. I, I can't yep. even get started on that. I'll it's go down insane, a crazy man. rabbit trail, which I can get into. So I'm not going to have to back myself out of that one because it's too tempting. Um, but brother, you are so right, folks. Here's the Lord says this is the language back even over to Isaiah 58. I, he says, if you'll fast the way I want you, meaning humble yourself, he says he can break every yoke. The gold tried in the fire begins with this humbling that happens in God's people. Now, it happened all through Society. You can see all the major revivals of the Bible happened almost the same way. Israel fell into apostasy; they got completely out of control. God sends the enemy against them; they're under attack. They have nowhere to go, and they humble themselves and cry out. And in God's mercy, He brings revival back into the land. But that's always Plan B, brother. We were mentioned before. Asa sought the Lord in the times of peace, tore down the high places, or you know, and got rid of the pagan shrines and all that stuff. And God blessed him for what he did while his times of peace. And so. Folks, my question is right now, I was talking to Jamie before the program. I've never seen so many people dying. I've never seen so many people sick, surgeries, strokes, everything that's going on at one time. And so my question is, at what point are we going to finally take this thing seriously and humble ourselves and pray before the Lord? Because I'm telling you right now, in my flesh, I will not survive. In my flesh, I cannot make it. In my flesh, I am weak, but through God's spirit and by his power, we can overcome. But folks, corporately, those that are in our groups, our our fellowships, or, or if you're just by yourself, there's something about when God's people humble themselves that unlocks the blessing that God has and the restoration. And so we see all the world coming against us, Jamie, all these things, the bioweapons, everything that's been released on it and the trauma. You brother, you just went through being sickness. I was sick before. And so many people, you said you saw six people, I think die in the last week or so. Brother, I think God's wondering, what more do I have to do to wake them up? And yet they still won't seek me.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and when I, when I look at Israel, we were talking about this off air and, and I was praying about that exactly this morning. Cause I was praying through my family members. I'm so, so grieved by them. It's just insane. I'm so grieved. And I was praying through this morning, like, what's it going to take Lord? What's it going to take? What's it going to take? And, and I was sharing with you that the Lord said they won't, they, they won't look at Israel. I, I'll drag them away in captivity to Babylon. They still won't. There'll be a few. When I'd say a remnant, I'm, I'm talking about a remnant. Anybody knows what a remnant what is? A remnant is the description of what they use in the textile mills in the uh, industrial revolution, right? Think of these massive mills and all this child labor, right? And the women's suffrage mu- movement, and they're, they're getting paid uh, pennies on the dollar to do this horrible work and these huge tectiles, textile mills that was super dangerous. And and it was at the end of the day, after they would sweep out these 15-story textile mills in downtown Chicago, if there was a dust bunny in the corner, think of all the material flying around in there all day long. The dust bunny in the corner, that's what they considered a rent remnant at the end of the day. So, I don't think we have a concept of just how small a remnant is. So, we say, what will it take for them to repent? Oh, God. Oh, God. What will it take for them to repent? And I go, "Why well, look at the book of Revelation. It's like, they actually won't. And I honestly believe that that is believers and unbelievers alike. And that does not, I'm not talking about the removal of their salvation. I'm talking about that. There's a cost. I'm talking about the refiner's fire that will burn up what you chose to build with. But as far as actively repenting, we do not see it. We've seen Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, Luke 12. We see that actually they are, it says at that time, many Many will turn away from the faith and they will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will arise and will appear to deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That's why it's so important with the last part of that. It says that he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Right. And so it's like, what will it take? The churches are shuddering. the apostasy, the necromancy, the tarot card reading, the communism, the brother-in-law working to tear down and literally making, I just, I feel like David, dude. Sorry. I get so, I feel like David. I'm so freaking like, who the freak is this uncircumcised heathen who dare defies my God? Would it like, would you say you're, you want to overthrow the high, the Royal priesthood? You want to overthrow the warrior priesthood of God? Are you insane? Yeah. Like, dude, This is nuts, right? Like, we should be filled with this righteous indignation. We should be like Ezra who says when he saw the conduct of the leaders and the officials of God's people and how they led all the people in this rebellion, he tore his tunic and sat appalled before the Lord before the evening sacrifice. Just appalled. Just what the heck is going on, man? This is insane. Sorry, I'm getting all amped up again, man. I just, I, I'm like, literally, my mind is plagued, and I feel like I'm grieving the Lord because I don't know how to love authentically, but yet I'm appalled, but yet I'm like filled with righteous indignation, but yet my flesh is mixed in there all too, and I'm just, like, Lord, what do you do? What will it take for them to repent? The answer, I, this was just me. I prayed with the Lord this morning. He said, they won't. They, they won't. They've made their choice. And like we were saying earlier, I've given them over to strong delusions. I didn't say anything about the remover of salvation. Everybody hear me clearly. It just means that there's consequences. There was consequences for David taking a wife that wasn't his own and committing murder. There was consequences for taking a census. There was consequences for Asa grumbling at God. There's consequences for Moses striking the rock. There's consequences and it's, it costs you dearly in the land of the living. It will cost you dearly in the land of the living. Uh, but you're standing before Lord. The Lord has nothing to do with your own righteousness. Yeah. It has to do with the sufficiency of Christ. His faithfulness is your shield and buckler. Absolutely. He is your helmet of salvation. He is the breastplate of faithfulness. He, I mean, he is the shield of faith. He is the breastplate of righteousness that covers you. He is the truth that you rejected that gird your waist. He is the peace that you now have before God shot on your feet. He is the sword, the, 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 the sword of the Lord, the word of the truth that you're commanded to take hold of it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with, with the Lord Christ Jesus, but it will cost you dearly in the land of the living. And so I, I really don't know if they will repent, brother. I don't know. They, they haven't yet. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know what? Israel Israel never fully did either. They would have moments of revelation from leadership. It has to come from the leadership. So if the pastors in the pulpits are leading the way in the rebellion, where in the world is a repentance going to come from?
0: Yep, yeah, no, I got you brother. And folks, listen, the, the Lord is the only person who can judge whether you're saved. That's not my business, that's not Jamie's. But we the Bible says that we are to judge righteously, okay? And that by their fruits you shall know them. And you got to remember one thing. We just pointed it out when Jesus, when those who left him, that there are people who claim to have the faith that are not saved. They're not following the Lord. And that's just a fact. I might upset some of you, but I just read it to you earlier in the Bible. They departed. They left him. They they were not actually, they did not have the kind of relationship that meant they were willing to follow the Lord. Now, I'm not judging people's faith, but we folks need to know and understand that God is calling us to saving faith, which means we believe in what the Lord said. And if you believe in what the Lord said, then that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you're going to have it all together. It doesn't mean you're going to do everything right, folks. If that was the case, none of us would be saved but it's we believe in the promises and we follow the Lord. And when we mess up, we repent and we turn back. And that is important thing because here's the thing in second Peter, our first Peter five, eight, listen to what it says here. Be sober, be vigilant. I think Jamie mentioned that earlier, right? Why do people sometimes Christians want to worry about how much wine they can drink? Because it's biblical, right? They'll want to say they don't even anyways, I'm not even getting into this. And the Bible's like specifically, why don't you just be sober? It's a lot easier because your adversary, the devil, and we don't have the cisterns that are contaminated anymore. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace who hath called you unto his internal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now here's the truth. A lot of us, you, me, others, we go through trials. We have some tough things happening. We get frustrated, just like Jamie was expressing, is this, this desire. I, I, you know, you want to wake people up and then, you know, they won't. And it frustrates you. And you just, you know, want to jump up and scream sometimes. And, and then we get sick or we have something happen or, or Lord, why does, why does a good person die? Or why does this go on? And and folks, these trials that we go through, the Lord is trying to say it's for a purpose. It's for a reason so that you will be strengthened and settled. Jamie, you went through training and I can remember in the Marines, there was things we did. I didn't understand at first. Why do I have to walk a certain way? Why do I have to do certain things until we actually got to the situation? And then all of a sudden I realized back to boot camp, Why was I carrying my cup with my hand on top and one on the bottom? Remember that? Brother, yeah, carrying your so your drink, not soda, whatever it was. You're, I'm because they were prepping us for going to the grenade range because they didn't want a bunch of stupid idiots who had never thrown grenades before to drop their grenade and not them not be able to see where it was at all the at all times. I remember, you know, some things just didn't make sense until we got to the situation, folks. God is preparing warriors for war. I don't yeah, know what else to it, say. It, it, here, here's, here's, here's a, a true and
1: trustworthy saying: is that you train for the fight that you're not yet in because by the time the fights in your face, it's too late to train. And the Lord in great wisdom, that's why he says you, you have need of perseverance or, you know, may add to your faith this and add to that, that and add to that, that perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Like you already quoted in first Peter, these trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, though refined refine and fire may result in something. It's supposed to be in the glory, honor and praise at the re- revelation of Jesus Christ. He what? Who in the world is this God that we serve? He's going to give you glory, honor, and praise? What in the world? You, like, that's insane, right? But he's like, listen, these have come upon you. I think at Judges 3, 1 through 3, as you're saying this, it says, and, and these are the nations that God left about them. I'm paraphrasing. I'm always paraphrasing. If anybody wants to take it, you know what I'm saying? I'm like rambling off the top of my head at a million miles an hour. So Judges 3, 1 through 3, it says, these are the nations that God left around Israel to test those who had not yet known warfare that they might know warfare. He left them to test them. And it's like the Lord is wise to allow testing. It says in the desert place where he tested the children of Israel to see whether or not they would keep its commands. That's why first Peter is so insane to me. Here's what it's saying in first Peter. God goes, it's just like David saying, Oh Lord, I'm going to build you a house. And God looks at him and he goes, you're going to build me a house. Now I'm going to build you a house. First Peter, you go, God, I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove to you my faithfulness. And he goes, you're going to prove to me your faithfulness? No, I'm going to prove to you your faithfulness. Watch this. Here comes the trials. I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to make you so confident and steadfast in your love for me. I'm going to pour it on and hit after hit and testing after testing and even temptation after temptation will come your way. I'll allow it to come your way to prove to you the genuineness of your faith. And it's not going to disappoint. It's going to result in something glory and honor and praise at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, so, that's why we as the saints, he is raising up a warrior class citizenry for the end of days. He is raising up a remnant of people who know him intimately know him and are known by him who are going to be strong through him. Not because they're special because they know the one who is special and they're going to go forth and do daring feats of valor. He says, I know the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I am pray to the Lord, a harvest, pray to him to send out workers." He's like, I have a mission set. And so the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole, the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully Committed to him. Amen. Fully committed to him. It doesn't say the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those who go to church, to strengthen those who virtue signal, to strengthen those who love out from their own machinations of what love is, which is emotionally predatory. It's actually love itself. They're they're parasitic. They want you to they want to feel special by making you feel special. It has nothing to do with you. It doesn't say that. It says the eyes of the Lord arrange throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him he's got a mission set and right now he may be training you beloved for the fight that you're not yet in and that training is grueling and yeah. that training you don't understand like brother frank was saying you don't understand the method to the madness why in the world do i have to shave my face every day to where i got razor burner all over why do i have to stand this way why do i have to, and it's like because it all translates to the battlefield why are these pressures coming up? Why is this screaming and yelling? Why are you, why? Because so that you have bearing and you do not lose your crap when the, when, when, all heck is breaking loose, and there's chaos all around you, you're sober-minded, you're vigilant, you're fixated, you carry forward your mission set with honor, courage, and commitment to the end. You dutifully discharge the duties that have been given to you to glorify your the captain of your salvation and the Lord God of the heaven's armies. This is why. And so, this is why all the scriptures speak to praising God for your suffering. This is why, because you would get what it's doing. You would get the unity that you have with Christ. You would get the unique uh, brotherhood that you're being bought into. You would get the unique esprit the core that you're getting to share in with the heroes of the saints and the cloud of witness that are coming before you, you would get that the perseverance is producing something in you. It's going to make you mature and complete lacking nothing. You would get it. And therefore, you would rejoice in your suffering, knowing that none of it is going to be in vain and knowing that the Lord is equipping you for something you have no clue that's coming down the pipeline. That's why. And this is why it's such a big deal to grumble before the Lord. It's such a big deal to be distrusting, to be dispirited, to be discouraged, to be fearful rather than fearless. He's like, bro, I ain't giving you that spirit, man. That's not the spirit. I gave you a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. Listen, be perfected by my love, son, daughter. Boy, you better be perfected by my love. My perfect love cast out all fear. Dude, if you're fearing, it, that has to do with punishment. There's something about me you disbelieve. You're making me out to be something I'm not. You're making me out to not be good and to not be loving and to not be wise because you're fearful. I've told you to be fearless. I've told you I've given you a sound mind. So freno in the Greek, that's a mind that's been rescued, salvaged, and delivered from irrational, illogical, or highly emotional thoughts. I've rescued you and delivered your mind from that stuff. Follow me. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Fix your eyes on me. Dutifully discharge the duties. Take hold of that for which I've taken hold of you. Redeem the time for the days of evil. Be wise, not unwise. Take the sword of the spirit. Advance the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ that brings life and set the enemy POWs of free. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I want in on that, Lord. So, like, sanctify me and purify me by my fire. Here's one thing about gold real quick, Brother Frank. I'm big on precious metals. I believe in precious metals, right? I have some. Here's the thing about gold. Gold isn't just refined by fire. That's the last stage to get that perfection of radiance that reflects an image. Sound familiar? radiance that reflects an image. The last step is fire. But before that gold is blasted. It is dug. It is pulverized. There is caustic chemicals added to it to remove impurities. Then it's pulverized again. Then there's more chemicals added to it to sear it and remove the impurities. And then it's fired. And then it's the dross is scraped. And then it's fired again. And then the dross is scraped. And then it's fired one last time to where it's spotless. To where there's zero impurities in it and it actually reflects. And did you know that gold never, gold refining a fire, never
0: ever decays or tarnishes? Never. It never Absolutely. will. Absolutely. Praise God, brother. Uh, I'm about to, I'm about to calm this program down. I mean, I appreciate you. Thanks. <laughs> I'm I'm loving it. I'm I'm enjoying it, folks. This is the this is raw. Okay. We did. We talked a little bit before, but this is not a scripted program that's going on here one after another. Okay. We're we're hitting a few things and the Lord just leading, but let me, let me, Jamie, I'm going to, I'm going to close, start the close here. And I want to share something, um, because folks it's about hope right now. We have hope. The Lord's not given up to you. And I'm going to share with you what powers the refiner's fire. It's grace. And I'm going to tell you why it powers the refiner's fire. Romans chapter seven, starting in verse uh, 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you for you're not under the law, but under grace for what then shall I sin because we are not under the law, but under grace, God forbid. See what happened is grace came so that sin would no longer have dominion over us. And so right now, many of you, you're struggling, you're you're trying, you're you're fighting at it, and you're wondering, Lord, why is the battle seemed so tough? right now why am i struggling so hard right now why do, every time does it seem like i make a little bit of progress for it i fall backward why is there a war going on inside of me folks it is the same war that the apostle paul had so, struggled with in his life when he wanted to do good he didn't he, he struggled the same thing but folks you can't quit reading the bible you got to go all the way to romans chapter eight because the lord has victory for us he is Amen. not going to leave us in this turmoil forever of this Romans chapter seven, uh, six and seven lifestyle. He brings us all the way to Romans eight, The grace is the sworn enemy of sin. So here we are, we're struggling, we're going through these fleshly desires. We're, we're, we're in this battle, and here comes grace and invades our lives. And the sin it begins to war against sin. And I'm telling you, it wars because Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says this moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Saying this as the sin, as God deals with the problem, here comes grace, and grace begins to fight because there's more grace available than sin. And so the war that's going on is the refining fire. And I want you to understand that you don't have to fear this battle, but understand that it's God who is fighting for you right now to get free from that which holds you back. That the struggle that you're going through right now is the spirit of the living God, grace of God coming in and warring against sin because the refiner's fire refuses to let go and to lose anyone. The Lord's desire is that none should be lost. And I want you to understand that the struggle you're going through right now, that God loves you and he's not giving up on you, that these are tough times that we're coming ahead, but God will not leave. And grace is battling for you right now. God has us, folks. And yes, we've been talking tonight. When will be enough? And I know many of you are saying, I'm already trying, but I can't seem to get free. Folks, I'm telling you, he's not left you. He's not forsaken you. There are seasons that we go through, but I guarantee you, if you stick with him, there will be joy in the morning. The light will come. Job went through a season in his life. Yes, he didn't sin between the first and second one, but Job had a problem that you have to read the whole book to understand it at the end. Job had confidence in his own self. Because the Lord called him out on it at the very end of the book of Job. And Job just covered his mouth. He's like a man undone. But you know what? He knew not from a word. He knew not from his fleshly feeling, but he knew because of the truth of the word of God, that if he stuck through it, he lived by faith in the promises of God instead of the feeling of his flesh. And folks, that is one of the most dangerous things like Jamie was talking to and people that embrace this cultural, multicultural, so-called, you know, uh, uh, hypersensitive grace churches of the social justice warriors. It's all about feeling. Folks, we have to be grounded in the word. So that when we are in a tough situation, when Jamie's struggling with sickness, when we're going through, when we see someone die, when we have something go wrong, when something touches a family member and we don't understand that, we remember that God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God has this in his hands and he will keep us all the way to the end. Brother, I appreciate you coming on and letting loose. I know you've been sick and penned up for a little bit a while and you're getting back into a brother. This will always be a show that you will be welcome on. Yeah. Praise the Lord, brother. I mean, it's,
1: it's good to, to just wrestle out the amazing truth of the Lord. And like you said, like the, the Lord is emotional, right? Like he has emotions. We get that, but it's not emotion that sets men free. It's the truth that sets men free. And to be able to even just wrestle out the truth of the Lord in real time, it's, it's, You know, and I know the listeners are mature to understand this. Like, we don't have it figured out. You don't have it figured out, brother Frank. I definitely don't have it figured out. And believe me, and I don't say this with any faulty humility, but I truly feel like Paul every day, where I'm like, dude, I am like so disgusting. I am chief among all sinners. I know exactly what I am. It is appalling what I'm capable of in the meditations of my own thought that are not pleasing to the Lord. Uh, and, and the the way that I'm capable of withholding mercy or withholding grace or withholding love or, you know, being critical or judgment on all these things. But here's what I also know. I know my God. And I know the sufficiency of Christ in me. And I know that the blood of Christ speaks a better word than the blood of of Abel, And I know the righteousness of Christ that is my covering and praise be to God, it has nothing to do with my own righteousness and praise be to God, it has nothing to do with what the law was powerless to do. But like you were saying, it is truly grace, the grace of God making more against the sin, the sin of my life and against the flesh. And even that, even that constant tension, that tumult, that battle of the war and the, of, of, of the war, the spirit and the flesh, is a testimony to the amazing, radical nature of the Lord. Because it says, "Blessed are you who bear up under uh, trials and unjust suffering, because you're conscious of Christ." It is to your Commendation. It is a military medal pinned upon your chest by the commander in chief, the Lord of God of the heavens, armies, and the captain of your salvation, Lord Jesus Christ. From everlasting to everlasting, the saints will be walking around with fat stacks of medals on their chest, signifying the commendations that they have. So even you warring against the flesh by the spirit through grace and that constant tension in your life of fighting, 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 striving, longing, longing, like you have no obligation to do it. Your sinful nature urges you to do for if you live by its dictates, you will die. And it's like, no, I want to be a slave to righteousness. Oh, my flesh wants to be a slave to sin. And that tension is you are suffering. You're suffering because you're conscious of Christ and because you're Amen. suffering you are actually increasingly being unified with Christ Jesus. Do you understand that? That's what all the scriptures are speaking to. First Peter, Second Peter. It is like on a, it's all about suffering. Suffering, 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 but not suffering in futility, ladies and gents. It's about suffering unto unity with Jesus Christ himself. There's no other way. So don't shrink back, even from the war of your spirit and the flesh, but always, always, always turn and praise the Lord and rejoice always. It is no trouble for me to say it
0: again. Rejoice. It is a safeguard for your heart. Amen. Praise God. Folks, listen, a person running a marathon, they train, they don't actually run the marathon during the training. It's not how it works. They train, they build up, they long, they run long runs, but they don't run the marathon until the actual day. There's training days, they lead up, and they may get a good many miles under there, but they don't normally actually run that full long marathon until the actual day. Folks, this is what I'm trying to say. This whole struggle that we go through, It's leading us into Romans chapter 8 says this There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. But after the spirit and what this is all leading to folks, and I'm telling you, you'll there'll be struggles, but when it counts, when it's on the line, when God needs you and your number is called and you finally get up there, he will bring these things forth and you will realize one day, I don't have to live under the condemnation of any man. I am no longer bound by what they say. I now live from the spirit and I walk after the spirit because the flesh is dead. Folks, we are in training. And God will bring it forth when it is time. And don't give up, even if you're in the struggle, even if you fail, even if you backslide for a moment. Don't stop fighting. God will not stop fighting for you because he will bring it. Paul didn't reach perfection in a moment. No, he still had his issues. But he knew he came to that point finally in his life where he understood. Therefore, there is now no more condemnation because I am not going to walk after my flesh anymore. I am now living by the spirit. God will do what he said he will do. And we are we haven't seen anything yet. I I love the power of
1: of what Paul's understanding ends up being of truly the depth of the grace of God, where he's like, bro, I'm assuming that's what he said. I told you I'm on the master at paraphrasing. He's like, bro, you think I'm going to let you bring a condemnation against me? I don't even bring a condemnation against myself. Like Christ is sufficient. I don't even rate to judge myself. I don't even rate to self-pity and victimize and woe is me. And I'm such a failure and blah, blah, blah. Like I won't even bring a condemnation against myself. That's how much I know and understand the sufficiency of Christ in me, you know? And and for those of you too, you know, like we're speaking on a very intimate Uh, A very intimate micro level, but on the macro level too, as, as the darkness overtakes the earth and as thick darkness is over the people, you're commanded to arise and to shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It's this person in the deity of Christ Jesus arise and shine for the glory that's risen upon you. It doesn't say hide yourself in your prayer closets, hoping the wrath of God will pass you by. That time is over. It says, Jesus said, when you begin to see these things taking place, stand up and look up for your redemption draws nigh. Never forget that the King of glory, the light of the world, the light of humanity stepped down into darkness and the darkness did not overcome him. You're good to go, ladies and gents. You're good to go. You're going to be all right. He said, first Peter, we keep coming back to first Peter. He says he has an inheritance for you in heaven, spotless, unspoiled, unfading, and he's going to guard you by his power home to it. So suck it up and keep advancing the kingdom of God with your head held high, with the spirit of power, love, and soundness of mind that he's covered you and imbued you with.
0: Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother, I just want to say I appreciate you coming on to the radio show tonight. And folks, this is just talking from our heart, understanding the times, not having it all figured out. Trust me, we're far from that. Um, but understanding that we are living in a dark, dark world, but that God has promised to never leave nor forsake. Folks, Thank you so much for listening, brother Jamie. I know that you've been involved. There's some things coming up that you're involved in. Uh, What's going on in your life right now as we close out? Tell people how they can keep up with you and some things that you're currently doing. Yeah, um, you you can uh, uh,
1: just become a like a site member thing or whatever it is at OmegaDynamics.org and just get updates and stuff like that on what's going on in the ministry and. Uh, you know, we just recently moved to Colorado and we actually took over a Christian camp. And so we're in the process of going gangbusters, uh, going building by building, gutting and remodeling, uh, as the Lord provides the ability to, to, to purchase materials and stuff like that. And, and really we don't have a clue what the vision is. I mean, the Lord said, go, we came uh we we had to leave the church that we were pastoring it's a big deal big long story big long testimony but we're here we've been here 3 months in uh outside Durango Colorado and uh we're we're just um seeking the lord's face you know and and he gave me a word in haggai 2 and 3 and And that truly that it's, it's time to work and begin establishing these faith havens for the body of Christ to continue to advance the kingdom of God, no matter how dark it gets. So that's kind of what, what we're focused on now, apart from, you know, me just teaching or speaking or doing whatever, whatever, man, I don't know what I do. I'm just obedient to the Lord for the day. So that's the simplicity of my ministry. People go, what do you do? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, whatever the Lord would have me do for the day. And that's how every day starts. Lord, what would you have me do today? What would you have me do, Lord? Like, take my life, God. It all belongs to you. Take my talents. Take my resources. Here's the tithe of my whole life. What would you have me do? And some days are not pleasant. And, and other days it's the, the joy of the Lord and his grace that sustains, but in all things, sometimes he says, stand, sometimes he says, sit, sometimes he says, speak. Sometimes he says, zip, zip your lips and say nothing. You know, sometimes he says, repent. Sometimes he says, rejoice. So it's like, I just, what would you have me do today, Lord? So anyways, that's what we're up
0: to amen well thank you so much for being on here folks don't forget to follow brother jamie at omegadynamics.org um check him out there keep up with what's going on he does some conferences in different times and 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 uh just watch what's going on brother we're going to have you back here and hopefully have you on um a rumble exclusive here coming up soon folks please don't forget check us out on rumble go over there subscribe uh, hit the rubble button too. I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out, but um, you know, we're going to continue as long as God provides the grace for us to stay on the air. But the truth is it doesn't matter for pulled down tomorrow. You have the word of God. You have the Amen. testimony of Jesus stick with that. And I promise you will be safe because I base it on the word of God and not on my feeling, but what he says in his word is truth. This is brother Frank and brother Jamie Walden on the remnant call tonight saying to everybody, good night. And Shalom. Oh, Israel, rejoice. oh, Zion, rejoice, for the Lord of God has made you his delight, has made you his delight. Throw a trumpet in Zion, the sound made on the mountains, throw a trumpet in Zion. Trumpet in Zion Sounded on the mountain The Trumpet in Zion